0: This is The Sarah Carter Show, and I'm coming to you from the Hillsdale College Kirby Center here in Washington, D.C. I am a fellow with the Independent Women's Forum, and you can read all of our stories, my stories, Jenny Terrace's stories, our other writer's stories at SarahACarter.com, SarahACarter.com. That's where the story begins. We will give you the highlights of everything that's going on during the day and some of my opinions as well. Please subscribe to us here at the podcast and give us a five-star rating on the podcast app that you're using. It means so much to me, and it keeps us going with all of these amazing interviews that we've had here lately. I'm really loving doing this because it is a platform that allows me to speak to the American people, uh, to talk about the issues that affect us most. I'm right there with you. I'm a mom. I've got a husband. I have spent my career Uh, trying to build it up. This is uh, the American dream for me. And these issues that we're dealing with here in Washington, D.C., particularly now, the issue of the impeachment of President uh, Donald J. Trump and what has happened here in our nation over the last three years has pretty much changed the direction of my life. And I know that for you, uh, for many Americans out there watching this, This historic time in our lives, it is just as important. This is about our country. This is about saving our nation and salvaging what our founding fathers have given us, this great gift, if anything, for Christmas. We should be thankful to our founding fathers for this amazing Constitution and for this wonderful, wonderful nation that we live in. I am so excited because today I'm going to have the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, Andy Biggs, on with us. He's taking time out of his very, very busy day. Uh, this is day after impeachment. Uh, they have a lot of votes on the House floor. But he's going to take some time out to talk to us about what's happening on Capitol Hill, uh, how they're handling it, the Republicans, what what is the plan of the Democrats how is House Speaker Nancy Pelosi dealing with the backlash today after this vote, this impeachment vote, and, and what she plans on doing next? So we're going to talk about all of these issues and more, border issues, immigration issues. I mean, there's a lot of issues out there that the American public wants our lawmakers to pay attention to. You know, it's, I feel like President Trump is really living rent-free in all of their heads. It's like they can't just let it go. The Democrats didn't win the 2016 election. They just can't deal with it. The bureaucracy here in Washington, D.C., this crazy swamp, just can't deal with it. And they are trying to make our lives as miserable as possible. I'm saying our lives because this is actually an impeachment against you, against the American people that voted for President Trump, and really an impeachment vote against our nation. Let's be serious about this. There was absolutely no evidence This is all about their hatred for Donald Trump. And you know what? Let me play a clip for you. This is Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, super excited, you know, dancing around in the halls of Capitol Hill with her posse, you know, talking about the impeachment that she's going to be voting on. Just listen to the giddiness in Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib's voice. It's a disgrace. Play it. Hey everyone, I am on my way to the United States House floor to impeach <laughs> President Trump on behalf of my incredible district, 13 District Strong. What the heck? What is wrong with these people? This is an impeachment of a United States president. We didn't even see this during President Bill Clinton's impeachment. People were not laughing and skipping around in the halls of Congress. This is so crazy. This is like upside down land. For a second, I thought I was watching a parody on Saturday Night Live. I didn't even know if that was really a Congresswoman, somebody who represents our nation. You know, this is a very somber issue. Impeachment. Impeachment of a president. This is not something that you laugh about and skip around the halls about. I'm so grateful that President Trump went to Michigan. He went to Michigan and people, by the way, in Michigan, in a swing state, were waiting for two days in line to see President Trump. This impeachment is going to backfire so big on the Democrats and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She knows this. She knows this very well. This is the reason why she doesn't even want to bring it to the Senate. She wants to hold it in perpetuity. She brings up all these excuses that Mitch McConnell isn't going to be doing what, you know, the right by this impeachment. What was she want? She wants someone there to just basically throw the president out of office is what she wants, because now she realizes, Holy cow, we just impeached the president of the United States in the House based on absolutely no evidence that he committed any crime whatsoever. They have wanted to impeach this president since 2016, since he was elected. Remember Maxine Waters? I wish I would have just had a clip of her right now just jumping up and down. I remember impeach, 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 impeach. She was so crazy about it. She wants to impeach the president. Well, look. You know what? You got your gift. And guess what? In 2020, the voters are going to come out. They are going to vote like no one has ever seen. This is my prediction. My prediction is that this is going to be bigger than 2016. People are not going to put up with this. People are not going to put up with Democrats like Adam Schiff. Shifty Schiff. Lying Schiff. There's so many names for Adam Schiff. I was even singing a Christmas song today and I included Adam Schiff's name in it. I will not sing it here because you guys will probably it'll get everywhere and then Democrats will be mad at me. But Adam Schiff, who lied, who lied in front of the American people, who lied during the hearings, who consistently lied to the media, lied over and over and over again. Remember that about the FISA? Oh, no. Christopher Steele's dossier was not The bulk of information that the FBI used to get the FISA warrant uh, to spy on a member of President Trump's campaign, then candidate Trump. He lied about that. He lied about everything. Lied, just lied. And guess what? The media just soaked it up. Those people in the mainstream media that didn't even want to question their sources, that never even they've never even retracted their stories. These people, this is incredible. So if anything, we live in historic times. We live in a time, America, where we have never in modern history seen a house so divided, so divided. And the only reason why some of these FBI agents that you see out now, like Lisa Page or Peter Strzok, Or you hear John Brennan and James Clapper, you know, John Brennan, former director of the CIA. For those of you that don't remember, I certainly remember him. And, you know, James Clapper, former head, director of national intelligence, DNI, the DNI. That's why they've been out there talking about President Trump and pushing, you know, this president is is a clear and present danger to our nation. No, he is not. You are. John Brennan, you are James Clapper. What have you done to this country? I'm going to play a clip right now because I want you to listen to President Trump out there in Michigan. You know, this is the response back to Rashida Tlaib and uh, Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and uh, Ilhan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and all of these folks out there, all of these congressional Democrats that have targeted the president, dream about the president, live President Trump every day. That's all they do. They live, breathe President Trump. They probably have, like, pictures of him in their office. They probably play darts with it. Who knows? They're just so insane. They're By the way, they're not even paying attention to their own districts. They're not paying attention to what happens in this country. They're just focused on President Trump. Let's listen to President Trump's response to the impeachment. They don't even have any crime! This is the first impeachment where there's no crime. I say, tell me what I did, please. Well, we don't
1: know you violated the Constitution. You had Turley, who's smart, Alan
0: Dershowitz, these guys, all of them, they say there's no crime. There's no crime, right? There's no crime. I'm the first person to ever get impeached and there's no crime. I, I feel guilty. You know what they call it? Impeachment light. It's impeachment light. Look. He's right. He is 100% right. There is no crime. He is not guilty of anything. He had to release transcripts of his conversation with a foreign leader. It's unheard of. And by the way, the Democrats and the people that were working on the back end of this and Democrats, I'm talking about Adam Schiff, who obviously knows who the whistleblower is, who lied about that as well. uh, They actually never expected President Trump to release those transcripts. Those transcripts, usually are never released because those are private conversations between two world leaders. They are very classified. So all of a sudden President Trump released him. Everybody read the transcripts. Just read the transcripts. They're out there. There is nothing in there that shows any any kind of crime. And that's why the Democrats could not impeach him on any kind of crime. Bribery is gone. Extortion is gone quid pro quo gone they couldn't do it they couldn't do it obstruction of congress really really so here you have this president fighting against the system fighting against these bureaucrats who by the way have buried themselves dwelled in here in this swamp for years for decades Building up their own little power bases and, you know, protecting that power base with all their might. And here comes this president, this disruptor, by the way, the American people, and I've said this before, are the real disruptors here because they voted someone into office to clean this place up. And remember, these people, you know, I could go to John Brennan, former head of the CIA, James Clapper, all of these folks. Adam Schiff is a part of this. Swamp as well. All of these people inside State Department, names you've never heard of, they are fighting back for their for their careers, for their way of life. They don't want this swamp to change. They love it. They're the real ones in power here. You know what they say? You know what they think here in Washington, D.C.? They think, you know what? Presidents come and go. I'm here forever. I'm going to do whatever I want. And I'm just going to hold off. If the president wants to change something, let's say, in Central America, I'm just going to slow roll it. If the president wants to do something overseas as far as foreign policy in Syria, I'm just going to slow roll that. If something's going to change fundamentally on the national level, I'm just going to ignore it. That's what they try to do. They do that over and over again. And the reason many presidents have a very difficult time fighting back is because they know— What's going to happen is the swamp is going to rear its ugly head and it's going to go after him. President Trump wasn't afraid of that. He's like, rear your ugly head at me. Let's go. Let's duke it out. You know, before the American public, before the world, I'm not afraid of you. I don't need you. What I need is the American people. What I need to do is represent them by the promises that I made. And that's what. That's what he's done. I just want, before we get to um, Congressman Andy Biggs, the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, I want you to hear this amazing statement that was made on the House floor. It's probably the best statement made on the House floor by uh, Representative Rushenthaler from Pennsylvania. David, can you play that? And let me tell you, as a lawyer, I would defend this case every day of the week. As a judge... I would dismiss this on day one for lack of merit. There is no prima facie case here. I'll tell you who I'd prosecute though. I would prosecute Adam Schiff for abuse of power. Why? How about the fact that he used his position as chairman to leak phone records of ranking member Devin Nunez? How about the fact that he dumped over 8,000 pages of documents on Republicans less than 48 hours before a hearing? That is the abuse of power. An obstruction? I prosecute the Democrats for obstruction. How about the fact that judiciary Democrats voted down my request to subpoena the whistleblower? How about the fact that Chairman Nadler refused every single Republican request for a fact witness? That is obstruction of Congress. That's it. That was such a perfect statement. It was just filled with truth. It delivered it. it the, the whole impeachment sham. Wrapped up into that statement. Now I'm going to bring probably one of my most favorite people on Capitol Hill. It's a, He's a man who says it like it is, isn't afraid of challenging the swamp or talking straight to the American people. He is somebody I have so much respect for. And I want everyone out there, if, if you can, take some time out today to read his opinion piece at Fox News. Uh, it's uh, Trump impeachment vote by House Judiciary Committee Democrats is a disgraceful abuse of power. Uh, if you take a moment to read that, you'll really understand how knowledgeable and, in, and intelligent uh, Congressman Biggs is about this subject and, and how much knowledge he has to share with us. The chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, Andy Biggs, on with us today at the Sarah Carter Show and doing his job working for Americans Every single day and fighting for truth uh, from the great state of Arizona. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what happened last night, because I think a certain sense of real somber sadness came over a lot of people. And also this idea that, you know, when you watch people like Rashida Tlaib, um, you know, celebrating on her Twitter account, the impeachment that she's going to impeach the president basically with. No facts, no proof at all. This is a highly partisan vote. Um, it was really quite stunning, you know, and watching them take selfies afterwards. But we also saw a backlash, a huge backlash on the Democrats because uh, apparently uh, the president is raising more money. I mean, the party is raising more money than it has in a long time. I mean, people are donating. I've been talking to people today. They're they're putting uh, their money where their mouth is. They want to see... Uh, President Trump, at least those that support him, win re-election in 2020. Can you talk a little bit about the backlash, Congressman, and and what you're seeing on Capitol Hill?
1: Yeah. So, with the regard to the backlash, um, the base has been um, uh, ignited, if I can put it that way. They're they're really outraged by this, and they they see this as an attack on them, which it is. I mean, uh, you, remember when Hillary Clinton was running? all the derisive derogatory terms she used, which was a continuation of what President Obama had said about people that don't share their far left ideological uh, philosophy. So this is a backlash where the, where the base of the Republican party and actually more so, I mean, you've got Democrats and you have independents that are out there saying this is ridiculous. They understand what this means. And so they're, when when you move from just being outraged to actually donating to campaigns um like the like to the Trump campaign or like to the uh, Republican National Committee or or uh the congressional committees that that means that somebody has really lit a fire under you that means that you have gone off the couch you've gotten up off the couch and you're participating and that's what we're seeing i i mean uh we are we we got this all along and when i was in the district last people are just outraged by this people i don't know people people, sarah i'm standing in the line at the airport people i don't know coming up to me saying hey thanks for what you're doing they're they're ticked off and that's what this boils down to
0: yeah there there's a lot of anger there is a lot of resentment right now we see a truly a house divided uh, like we've never seen before. And now, uh, you know, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she doesn't even want to bring the impeachment to the Senate. She she doesn't, I think she doesn't even know what to do here. I mean, she was basically taken hostage by the mob on the left, which is like Rashida Tlaib, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Adam Schiff, particularly Adam Schiff. You know, he's like the Grinch that stole Christmas, you know? Oh, he's man. he's like the yeah. guy that that is so angered that President Trump won the election. Um, he It's like they're fishing for a crime. Can you talk a little bit about why maybe Nancy Pelosi isn't bringing this before the Senate?
1: Yeah, great point. In fact, I thought maybe that's what the shenanigans she was doing today, because we've had some shenanigans with a floor vote today. I thought she was trying to leverage it. But, but the reality is, I, I think... Nancy Pelosi they, they're just dispirited by it they they thought this was going to be universally uh, claimed and it's not been and you've got members they're divided in their conference they actually had a member leave and is joining the Republicans they are they don't know which way to go. And she's trying to claim, and I think this is rich. I mean, this is really audacious, quite frankly. She's trying to claim, well, I don't think they're going to get a a fair trial in the Senate. Well, you know what? It's none of your business anymore. Because the bottom line is, constitutionally, House impeaches. Constitutionally, the Senate does the trial. And if she holds that up, think of the precedent that she is setting. And so we've actually been having debates here and trying to get legal opinions if she doesn't transmit is the president really impeached because you, just because she had a vote probably yes but i mean what completes impeachment for the house normally we would say it is transmittal and so they are just they're so confused sarah it's it, and it, and and part of it is cuz they let themselves get engulfed in rage And if you're engulfed in rage and you're responding in every way viscerally and emotionally, you cannot think logically enough to carry out and execute a plan, in this instance, a coup. And that's that's really what this is about.
0: That's where I want to go with you. I want you to hear this clip really quick. It's um, going to be a great, great interview with Martha McCallum. It's Attorney General William Barr. And I want to get to the coup because I think this is important and the American people can see right through this. David, can you play that clip for us? Durham's investigation is broader scoped in terms of the intelligence agencies that are being looked at.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, you know, he's not just looking at the FBI. He's looking at other agencies and also private and departments and, and also private actors. And uh, so it's a much broader investigation.
0: This isn't just about the FBI. It's not just about the FISA. It's about other agencies. It's about private entities. I'm assuming when he's talking there, he's talking about Fusion GPS and the investigation, the original investigation into President Donald Trump and the false narrative basically laid out by these same players in the FBI, in the DOJ, and by the way, foreign actors, Congressman Biggs, foreign actors like MI6, former spy, uh, Christopher Steele, Stefan Halper, who was working in England at the time, he's an American, who was at the Cambridge Institute, and Joseph Misfood, who was working in Italy. So they're looking at all of this. Tell me a little bit about what you're hoping from the Department of Justice on this and Durham's investigation?
1: Well, uh, so when we talk about a coup, it isn't just this impeachment is just one tentacle of the coup, as you know, the deep state actors that you've just been describing who employed um, uh, and abused like FISA. We knew FISA is a star chamber anyway. That's that's a bad that's a bad deal. and should be uh, either gone or completely overhauled. My per, my position is it should be gone. But they would use this, these actors would use this in the FBI um, and in other intelligence agencies. They would use it against uh, a political opponent like Donald Trump. And then they would turn around, and this is how they're trained, as you know. They uh, Intelligence uh, officials... Uh, they are trained to provide this disinformation by basically parroting back or projecting back what they have been doing onto somebody else who's trying now the subject of of scrutiny. And that's what they did here with President Trump. So what I want to see is I want to see a couple of things, clarity and justice. We need to get clear uh, who did what, to whom, when, by what means, And then we need to bring them to justice and then reform the government institutions that have been abused um, to provide uh, the opportunity for these people to go forward. That's what we have to see. And and you can go right on back, and we can name some names uh, as well, like Peter Strzok, who was at the – he was the hub of all of the investigations, whether it was the Hillary Clinton investigation where they came off and let her off – or whether it was investigating uh, uh, three different investigations of President Trump or Trump's campaign, these people have to be held accountable. If there's no, if no one's held accountable, and we don't get the clarity we need, we will not change our institutions in a way that provides justice. And that's what American people want. They want justice, and they, our institutions were designed to provide justice, but if they're abused then then they they won't provide justice. It will be unjust. And that's what we have seen three years of unjust attacks on this president, which actually shake our constitutional republic to its very foundations. And that's why we have to get to the bottom of this.
0: 100 percent. I want to go back to something that you said, you know, whether or not the FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court or its applications and warrants to spy on Americans should be absolutely dismantled or whether it be reformed, when we think about Carter Page and what happened to him and how his life was really just torn apart, here's a man that was, now we all know, publicly, uh, some of us knew this beforehand or suspected it, that he had been working with the CIA, that he was an asset uh, reporting to the CIA on Russians uh, that uh, he was in contact with. Now that we know that that is the truth and that they withheld that information from the courts, Do you think that Carter Page is the only one? I mean, now the inspector general is really going to have to do an overhaul of these FISA applications, most of which are never turned down. I think it's uh, less than like a 0.5 percent ever turned down. So 99.5 percent always approved. Uh, They're going to have to do an overhaul of that. It really does shake the core of the foundation of our democracy and our constitution.
1: Yeah, no that that's exactly right Sarah. So uh um it wasn't just Carter Page. We know that. We know that there have been it, it, quite frankly uh, perhaps thousands or even more tens of thousands of of people wrongfully um uh spied on with or without these FISA warrants. And uh when when the 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 law enforcement folks don't follow the law and the rules rigorously, um, you, you 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 provide tyranny. You provide an avenue for tyranny. They're uh, the officials unto themselves. And part of this is if, if we nest this into the, the greater federal government, um, you have agencies abusing their powers that were uh, not designed to even have those types of powers, EPA, um IRS they all have these inherent powers or spl- explicitly given powers so you take all of them plus what was going on in the intelligence community and you say this is a reason why the founders said we don't want a big centralized government it is why we left this much of this to the states and um, we have we've let the central government arrogate power to itself for so long that it, it's going to corrupt. I mean, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts a, a star chamber like the FISA court. And some of these things provides uh, a mechanism for absolute corruption, because, as you said, nobody was watching over him.
0: And this is the first time we've seen, Congressman, uh, that a president has come into power. Here is elected duly elected president that said look i'm going to clean up this swamp i'm going to i'm going to make sure that taxpayer dollars are being used for what they were intended to be used for and i'm not going to allow this bureaucracy to run amok to run wild do you think that just his presence alone struck fear into these bureaucrats that have had these cushy jobs here for so long that have basically created their own power base, and they thought, no way, we're not going to let this man do that. He's not welcome here in Washington. I mean, I don't think they actually believed that President Donald Trump was going to win. I mean, in fact, I know that. So they never really believed that they were ever going to be discovered. So the, the whole Russia operation was very sloppy. Um, And but then everybody else, we've seen this in uh, the hearings, the impeachment hearings where the bureaucrats are rising from the swamp, basically angry at President Trump for removing, you know, Maria Ivanovich from her ambassadorship in Ukraine um, and targeting him and people even within the administration uh, that were spying on him.
1: Yeah, no, you're exactly right so so two quick points on that number one is that we 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 uh we knew, know that even under the bush administration where he tried anything like that there was immediate uprising but he quit right so he stopped trying to 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 attack it he wasn't doing uh the same level and donald trump he's campaigning and when he starts saying we're going to drain the swamp the bureaucracy here which is, you know, some political science call it the fourth uh, branch of government, they knew that he was going to be gunning for him, And so uh, they, they basically set up all these traps. I mean, you start looking at some specific things. Uh, when, when Chuck Schumer said, if you go after the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday to come after you, he was right. He was not kidding. He was telling the truth. They, we have given them so, over, so much power over to them that they could come after even the sitting president. Don't forget that it was a uniparty type of thing. This is not a one-party uh, uh, issue uh, over another party. This is a two-party issue where you have establishment elite that don't want any change in the status quo because why? it would shake their power base, it would shake their, uh, their revenue and their income base, and this is a major, major problem for anyone who's trying to change the swamp. And I would just, I said two, two points. Here's the third point. President Trump has tried to do so, but even uh, within the White House, there are people that are obstructing him from doing what he wants to do with regard to representing the people the way he said, and that includes uh, draining the swamp because he wants to attack it. And believe me, there are people trying to curb that.
0: I absolutely believe you on that. What do the American people do at this point? How do the American people, those that are independents, that see right through this charade, uh, the base, the Republican base, uh, get the truth out to the rest of the American public, uh, let them understand that this isn't just about President Trump, that this is about our country? And what can Americans do to to fight back in a way that's productive. And when I use the word fight, I don't mean fight as in actually getting out there and duking it out with anyone. I want I want discourse and people to be able to discuss these issues. You know, this is the holiday season. But what can they do? What can the American public do to be a part of this? I feel like people want to do something. They just don't know where to go.
1: Well, so so let's just cover it from bottom to top. Um, they have to be willing to speak. They have to have the courage to to, – they need to be writing letters. They need to be making phone calls. They need to be letting elected officials at every level know what's going on. Look, the institutions uh, have been co-opted and were co-opted a long time ago that have helped facilitate this. Um, So you have to be vigilant over your kids' education, your grandkids' education. You have to be involved in it. You can't just assume any longer that if I send my kid to school, they're going to be taught uh, the three R's. They're not being taught just the three R's. They're, be, they're being socially engineered. You have to acknowledge that. And I'm, and I'm going to get some hate email for saying it, but that's the reality. You have to understand that the institutions have been co-opted. And so you, you participate. You be vigilant. You you do it that way. You have to uh, uh, make sure that you're uh, supplying where you can, resources to help good people that you believe in go forward and, ha- and, and, and take this step out there to run for office. And I'll just tell you, um, we as Republicans didn't do a great job. In my opinion, we did a really poor job when we had the majority um, last term, when I, my first term here. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you this. The, the difference of what President Trump could get done is night and day uh, with the Democrats. Um, They swore that they would get him. They did everything. Now they've impeached him, Um, maybe, technically. Um, And and so the American people have to be constantly going for it. And I would say this. You have to educate yourself and you have to educate others. Reading what Sarah Carter writes, reading and and listening to your podcast and and, uh, your friends and my friends who are out there um, who are working this thing night and day, and then passing that information along, that is critical. We have to be educated, we have to be uh, dedicated, and we have to be uh, without fear as we go forward because we have got to take this this country back. Um, or because I would say I would say we are really, and this is not just being a, a political guy. I mean, all politicians say this every two years. They say this is the most important election. I would say this is a fulcrum in the in the in the balance of our country that's where we sit we're, we're we're going to go one way or the other um and nothing shows that showcases that more than the candidates that are running for the democrat presidential nomination it is horrific what they're saying and what they believe in it's historic and,
0: uh, it's historic yeah, it's just, I, I don't think anything yeah. in our history or modern history can compare to what we're seeing right. today i i think about this all the time and I feel as though all of the issues that are important to us—you know, uh, the the issues as Americans, healthcare, education, immigration—which is a huge issue—and I want to give you—I know you've got to run to a vote uh, real soon, so I know I don't have a lot of time with you, but I want you to be able to talk about the issues that you're fighting for for your district, the issues that are important to you nationally. Uh, I know immigration is a huge one for you, and I want to give you a little time to just kind of plug that in and and let people know why that's important to you.
1: Well, what? Yeah, thank and you. And to me, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, I know you're you've been a warrior and a champion on this and so many other issues, and I I'm grateful to you. Thank you for what you're doing. Don't don't ever stop, Sarah. And oh. thank your family for 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 making the sacrifice so you can do this. But I will just tell you. Um, Think of it this way. Uh, a year ago in May, we had 155,000 apprehensions. And people, people think, oh, that's how many people cross the border. No, that's not true. We, we're getting at least one-to-one. So you know that we, we caught 155,000. We didn't catch probably 100 to 155,000 on the other side that just got in. Um, and of the people who are coming across that, we're, that the left is saying, well, these are unaccompanied minors, you, fewer than ten percent of them are under the age of twelve. The ninety percent of them are the age thirteen to eighteen, under 18, so 17, 11 months, whatever. And what that means is that is the exact age for recruitment for gangs. Um, and yes. and you have you have to acknowledge that uh, as these as these kids are coming across. We've in some of these sanctuary cities. Uh, and sanctuary states you're seeing a rise once again in in crime rates and it's and it's not that all these these people sneaking into the country are are bad people but what it is is that you've got a substantial uh, minority of them are dangerous people and we're not interdicting them at the border
0: you're absolutely right you're absolutely right i want to throw in one thing too that they, the recruitment age, and you're right about them not all being bad people, their kids, but a lot of them have been either abandoned by their families, they're not mm-hmm. being raised by their mothers and fathers at home, they're being raised on the streets, unfortunately in places like Honduras and Guatemala where these cartels and these horrific gangs street gangs have basically taken them in and are training them to do terrible things and to sell narcotics and many times these children are abused they're being taken in and used for human trafficking sex trafficking Um, and why perpetuate that type of behavior by allowing this to continue why not hold those people accountable and hold ourselves accountable for allowing this to happen
1: no that's exactly right the, our, it's our policies that have served as incentives to come here. People, you and I respond to incentives. Every person alive responds to incentives. We 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 avoid disincentives because we don't like them. If there's something that's going to be favorable to us, we go to that. that that's that's a soft utilitarian uh, philosophy. But I will just say this: mm-hmm. it's true. It's an economic philosophy. It's a principle. And so when we when we don't enforce our laws, which we have hundred plus sanctuary cities in this country. We have sanctuary states. We have we have states thirteen states now giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. When you not only don't enforce your laws, but facilitate Breaking our laws, you're no longer... Uh, and how many times did the Democrats mention rule of law yesterday in their, their reasons for impeachment? They are not rule of law people. They don't want to uh, follow the rule of law. The rule of law would say Nancy Pelosi should have already transmitted the, uh, the impeachment uh, uh, letters. The rule of law would say you enforce your immigration laws. They don't want to do that. They They are finding ways around the law, and so they provide incentives, and so that's why we keep drawing people here. So so the number is roughly 30,000 people apprehended last month. Sarah, before the surge last January, the the average apprehension was somewhere in the neighborhood of ten or 12,000 per month.
0: Think about we're
1: that. Sti- think about that. And we're at 30,000 people saying, oh, well, it's not a big deal anymore. It is a huge deal. It's still a big deal. Imagine... 360,000 apprehensions in a year if it was 30,000 on an annualized basis. That, that's that's a huge deal. Um, and you have to be be aware of that. And it, it impacts the state of Arizona, particularly because well, we're on the border. So
0: Well, I'll tell you this. I'm continuing to do work on immigration. I know you are. Uh, it's going to be a huge issue for me in 2020. I plan on traveling to Mexico. I tra- I'm going to travel back to Guatemala and Honduras. Um, maybe make a trip to El Salvador as well. So, this is going to be a huge topic. Uh, I know that there's a lot of concern right now that these numbers could escalate. There are reasons for that. I know the White House yep. is looking very closely at that, and I'll talk about that more when more information comes out. And the very couple of last questions, because I don't want to forget. Uh, former chairman of the of Freedom Caucus, Mark Meadows, um, and right. your colleague, a close colleague of yours, just announced that he is not seeking re-election, and I know him quite well. Um, what do you think's going on there, and uh, have you had a chance to talk to him about this?
1: I have talked to Mark about it. Um, I anticipated it. I, I saw him about a, <laughs> about several weeks ago, and I said, Mark, you look like a guy who's leaving, actually, because he had, he, they were just beating the tar out of him, as you know. And he's taken it for, for eight years very valiantly. So um, I think what you may see is um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him end up somewhere in the Trump administration. He is, he's a big believer in making America great and keeping America great. He's a freedom believer. He's done a great job. As, a, as the Freedom Caucus uh, chairman uh, before me, and, and I'm just so happy that uh, that uh, I've had the chance to work with him. We're going to miss him.
0: Yeah, it's, I know a lot of people are really going to miss him, and I know that he is uh, more than grateful to see you as chairman of the Freedom Caucus because you really got your work cut out for you. I'm going to give you a, a moment to... Uh, uh, first, I'd like to say Merry Christmas to you uh, and to your family and to the great state of Arizona. Uh, my brother lives there and I, you know, I love the state of Arizona and I, I miss their warm weather in the winter.
1: <laughs> and I know <laughs> that you,
0: <laughs> I know you're going to be heading home to that beautiful weather. But uh, I know that you would probably like to give a message to the great people of this nation and especially to your constituents in Arizona. I want to offer you that opportunity to do so.
1: Yeah, thank you sir and merry christmas to you and your family too. And I thank I you. would say, I would say merry christmas to the people of America and, and just say I uh, I am a I'm an optimist. I I think that even though the democrats have run a a really tough uh a, a tough year, actually tough 3 years of campaign against this president after he got elected even. I would say he is resilient. Uh he cares about this country. He loves it, and, so does and we're going we're gonna to win this thing. We can turn this thing around. We can, we can preserve freedom. We have to preserve the freedom, and uh, it just takes a lot of confidence, uh, a lot of work, and a lot of courage, and I think we can do it. I believe we will, we will do it, and uh, what a great country we have. It's a great time to be alive. It really is a great time to be an American
0: it really is i every day i wake up and i i thank god that i come from this amazing country and all and i was in, i was thinking about when you said to me how people come up to you at the airport and they talk to you it's the same thing with me and i you know people come up and give me a big hug and say thank you so much thank you so much for everything you do and i want to say thank you too yeah. to you yes. know to everybody because if it wasn't for the great people of this country we would not have the country that we have today and it's right. awesome that we can have this discourse and that we can go through what we have seen yesterday and we do it in peace we don't do it out in the streets like we see in other nations you know we we're disappointed it's it's a battle we're we're fighting this political battle but we're not ripping ourselves apart and that's what makes this country so awesome so great and for anybody who wants to change that i mean fundamentally uh it's that's a terrifying thought to me but uh we will win because our constitution is just that beautiful it's just that important and it's just that brilliant and i can't thank you enough for being with us today
1: Thanks, Sarah. It's great to be with you. And again, Merry Christmas to you and your family and all your listeners. Fantastic Merry Christmas you to do. you,
0: too. And God be with you as well. And I know you got to get out there and vote. You're doing your job. Here's somebody that actually does the job. Congressman Andy Biggs. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sarah. Great conversation with Congressman Andy Biggs. And, you know, Merry Christmas to everyone. I mean, this is the holiday season. And I don't want to end this on such a serious note. We have been through so much seriousness in the last maybe two years, three years. Uh, We need some lightheartedness. And I got to tell you, I was losing it. I was cracking up. Jenny showed me this Saturday Night Live skit, this recent skit uh, that was done by SNL. It's called American Households Cold Open. And it's Greta Thunberg. I mean, they're not real—not the real Greta Thunberg. But, but, but this really great skit with uh, with her in it. And I want you guys <laughs> to hear this because it is—it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny, and it's about a serious topic. Go ahead, play it, David. Oh, my name is Greta Thunberg, and I also have a Christmas message. In ten years, this snowman won't exist. Her home would be a puddle. Santa, reindeer, the North Pole, all of it, go. The ice caps will melt, and the elves will drown. Great. What? You said keep it light. So merry maybe our last Christmas to you all. And Donald Trump, step to me, and I'll come at you like a plastic straw comes at a turtle. <laughs> that is just... SNL's actually getting funny that was pretty funny I I got to admit okay I know it's a serious subject I'm uh, I'm just playing what SNL did I'm not making fun of Greta Thunberg I you know all young people have the right to uh, you know speak out have their thoughts heard and you uh, You know, what is it they say if you're not a Democrat when you're young? You know, you have a cold heart and then as you get older, you get smarter, you become a Republican. I don't know. Maybe we'll take that to heart right here. Uh, Thank you so much for being with me on this podcast today. I hope you learned something. I know I sure did. Once again, you can read all my stories at SarahACarter.com. That's SarahACarter.com. Jenny is also riding like the wind on there and keeping everybody updated on what's happening here in Capitol Hill and around the world. That's Jenny Tare. She writes for me. I've got David here. He is producing. He is amazing. I couldn't do this without him. Uh, so Merry Christmas, everyone. Remember, life is serious enough. Let's just take some moments to have a good laugh. And again, thank you, America. It's a pleasure talking to you every week.